Thanks for listening to our Market Street podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope today's message helps you in your walk with Jesus. For more information, visit us at marketstreetchurch.org. Merry Christmas. Good to see everyone. If you're listening or watching online, welcome, welcome, welcome. Merry Christmas to you. Boy, we've been talking about over the last few weeks how for, for some of us, maybe a lot of us, I don't know, sometimes this time of year has its challenges. And uh, there's always, you know, challenges in life. That's just the way that life is. It's, it's, it has its, its challenges. But for you, this time of year has been, you know, a struggle. It's, you don't really find, you know, a lot of delight or a lot of joy. It's not so merry for you. It's, it's kind of messy. And so that's what we've been looking at. And, and as a matter of fact, the, the first Christmas, the, the story of the birth of Jesus was very messy, very, very messy. And, and that's oftentimes the, the reality. And so we've just been looking at that Christmas is, is messy. It's not always that, that merry. And for you, maybe you've, you've discovered that, you know, that you just haven't really felt the Christmassy spirit, the, you know, the magic of it. You just haven't really experienced that much. Maybe, you know, in the last few years, I don't know what the case is for you, but where it's, it's you know, it's kind of not so Christmassy, it's kind of Christmassy is what, is what it is. And so we've been just looking at ways in which we work through that, ways in which we handle that, ways in which we, you know, can, can respond to those times when you know, we're not really sure what God is up to, what God is doing, but we just want to be the way that Mary was, and Mary decided, hey, I'm just going to be a servant. I'm going to be a servant. God, whatever you will, whatever you want, God, that's what I'm going to do. Joseph decided, you know what? I have my doubts. I have my uncertainties, but Joseph decided that he was going to do what was right in, in, in despite, you know, his circumstances, that he was going to do the, the right thing. And we, you know, we looked at, you know, the way that, you know, as they were, you know, traveling to Bethlehem and the circumstances that, that surrounded that, you know, situation. And, and they were just, you know, trusting God and believing that God was, was continuing to be faithful, you know, that God was doing a work even though they didn't see, you know, the work that God was doing until later on. And that's the reality for all of us is that God is oftentimes is we think that God is, you know, not attentive or God is absent, but God is doing his most work through those, through those seasons, through those times in our life. And so we just trust him. We trust him. We're, we're faithful to him in, the, in, those, in those times. And so I want to come around, a, you know, another familiar part of the, you know, the, of the Christmas story, even though this probably in reality took place maybe a year or even two years uh, after Jesus's, Jesus was, was born. Um, but it, but it, it begins, and Matthew is, is writing this account of, of what happens, and we oftentimes, you know, associate, you know, this story with, with Christmas. And so it says in Matthew chapter number two, it says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, now before we get into that, I just want to kind of set the scene. Who's, who's Herod? You know, who's Herod the, the king? Uh, Herod the king was, you know, uh, you know, somebody that was appointed by Octavian. If you were here with us last week, uh, you, we, we talked about uh, Octavian and how God used that tyrant dictator uh, for, for his purposes, for God's purposes. And But Octavian placed Herod in a position of to be the king over over Judea over the over the Jewish people even though he wasn't a Jew himself he was an Edomite and but he married into you know the Jewish uh, Jewish family 
the Jewish nation. He married a Jew and, and so that he could have you know, some sort of you know, credentials or credibility with, with the Jewish people. But he was a you know, tyrant. He was a merciless man. And he was, in, you know, in borderline probably was insane. He did some, some terrible things. I mean, he was so oftentimes so threatened by his you know, kingship. He was so threatened by his you know, prestige and his power you know, that he would just eliminate people. He would just have people, you know, not t- taken off the face of the earth. You know, he would have people, you know, put to death. And as a matter of fact, he had, uh, you know, a, a number of different occasions, he had uh, the high priest uh, put to death because he felt like the high priest was, you know, infringing upon his power and his authority and trying to, you know, ga- gather, you know, people to, you know, to support him and so that they can usurp his, his authority and his throne. And so he just had the high priest put to death. The high priest so happened to be his wife brother so his his brother-in-law he had put to death he at was had so many trust issues that he even had at one point he had his wife he had nine wives by the way um, but he had one of his wives put put to death as well and and the 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 mother of his wife so of his mother-in-law because you know why not you know and and so he had her put to death and then he had three of his own sons Put to death. I mean, this is the kind of guy he is. He is ruthless. He is merciless. And he is a tyrant and he is afraid for his prestige. He's afraid for his power. That's the kind of person that Herod the king is. And so then we see in verse number two where is he, and so here's the magi that are coming from the east, and now he's starting to feel threatened by, you know, these, you know, prestigious men who have come from the east, who, you know, are sort of, you know, interpretations are that they were sort of king-like, you know, and, and they, you know, had this major caravan of, of people that came around them, and so it caused quite a stir, and so here they are, so they start asking, where is he? who has been born the king of the Jews. For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. So this is making Herod the king nervous. This is making him go, wait a minute, what's happening now? There's now somebody that has been born that is gonna overtake you know, my throne, that's gonna you know, take me off of, the, uh, of being king of the Jews. And, and so he's starting to now get nervous. And, and so and that's the reality of, of, of what was happening around this time you know, surrounding the birth of Jesus. It was messy. It was messy. And these are the people that, are, that were, you know, in charge over people. People like Octavian, you know, who, who wanted to be known as a, as a god, as a deity, who wanted to be revered as a ruler. And you have Herod, who's a merciless tyrant, who's just eliminating people, you know, at the drop of a hat, you know, anybody that threatens his throne. I mean, this is messy. This is messy. Well, there's two types of people in this story. There's two types of people in this story. There's fools and there's wise. There's fools and there's wise. It says in verse three, 
It says, when Herod the king heard this, what did he hear? He heard that there were some you know, men from the Orient, from the East that were coming, and they wanted to you know, meet this child that was born who was going to be the king of the Jews, and that, that, they, that, that through some revelation of God, we don't really know what God did, but through some revelation of God, that, that they were informed that, you know, that, that, that he was going to be you know, the, the new king, the next king, the next ruler, and, and so they wanted to come and check this out. They wanted to come and see what this is about. And so when the king heard this, he was troubled. He was troubled. But he wasn't the only one that was troubled. It says that all Jerusalem with him. So he's not the only one troubled. He's got all of Jerusalem with him that are now troubled by because you have this, you know, these people that came from the east Lots, lots of people, you know, maybe some misinterpretations of the scripture was it that we think that there was and, you know, and we have these in our little nativity scenes, you know, that there was these three wise men that came, you know, but there was probably dozens and dozens of them that came. And so he's now troubled by this. He's now threatened by this, but it's not just him, but all Jerusalem with him. Why? Because they're walking around the city going, where is he? Where is he? Where is he? And, uh, and all the people in the city are going, we don't know what you're talking about. We don't know what you're talking about. They're like, what do you mean? I mean, th- there's a star that, that is his star, according to, in their words. It was his star that, that was revealed to us. Where, where is he? Where is the, the king? Where's the king? Where is he at? He was born. And nobody even knows what they're saying. So there's two types of people, like I said. There's fools and there's wise. There's fools and there's wise. Now, I don't, I, I don't want you to, you know, to, to raise your hand, but I, I just want you to think about maybe there's some times in my life that I act foolish, that I don't act wise. So we're going to give some examples of the way that some people in this story act foolish and then we'll say, listen, this is what wisdom looks like. This is what it looks like to be a wise person. And so Fools look like this. Fools want to be king. Fools want to be king. And that's what Herod did. He wanted to be king. He he wanted to be in charge. He wanted to have the throne for himself. Fools want that too. Fools want to have things on their throne that they like that they wish to attain, that they want to hold on to, that's what fools have for themselves. Listen, I don't want to be a fool. I don't want to be somebody that says, God, you can have this, this, and that, but God, I'm keeping this for myself. God, I'm, I'm surrendering my life in this area, God, I'm surrendering my finances to you. God, I'm surrendering my, you know, my relationships to you. But when it comes to my purity, God, I'm keeping that for me. God, when it comes to, you know, who I, you know, spend time with, God, I'm doing, I'm, I'm doing that for me. God, I, I, listen, you can have everything else, but my money is my money, and I'm going to do with what I want to do with it. And what we're doing is simply this. We are leaving things in our life on the throne where Jesus belongs. And fools want to be king over their own life. Fools want to say, I'm in charge, this is mine, I got this, and I don't need anything or anyone else's help. That's what fools will do. 
Fools want to be kings. There's a story um, back in the 15th century. There was a, um, uh, his name was Ivan the Great. Ivan the Great, he was a czar of Russia back in the 15th century. And Ivan the Great spent a lot of his time just warring and, and being in battles and you know, taking over things and controlling everything. And, and so he was going about his life and, and some his advisors came to him and said, listen, you need somebody to you know, take the, the, the reins or the throne when you die. And so you need to get married. You need to find a wife so that you can have an heir. And so Ivan the Great agrees. He says, okay, find me, find me a wife. And so they did. They searched high and low, and they found a wife for Ivan the Great. And she, she was the daughter of the king of Greece, the king of Greece, the daughter. And so they arranged, you know, to, to get married to, with each other. And they require that Ivan the Great, Ivan the Great, that he join the Greek Orthodox Church. They, they said, listen, you can marry her, and he wanted to marry her, and they said, but before you do that, you need to join the Greek Orthodox Church. And so he goes through those procedures and, you know, goes through all the things that he needs to do, and he's getting ready to be baptized into the Greek or Orthodox Church. But his soldiers, his, his mighty warriors around them, they wanted to, you know, join the Greek Orthodox Church because of their loyalty to Ivan the Great. And so they say, we want to get baptized as well. Well, according to the rules of the Greek Orthodox Church, you couldn't be a professional soldier. And so they said, listen, your men, your men, they have to stop being professional soldiers. Well, Ivan the Great said, no, 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 that, that, no, that can't happen. These are, these are my guys. You know, we've tr seen tremendous success. These are, these are my guys. It's not going to happen. And so they come to a compromise. And here's what the compromise was. They said, we will allow your men, your soldiers, to stay professional soldiers, and we'll allow them to get baptized by immersion. They, they fully immersed people into, into water. But what, what the compromise was is this, is that when they were immersed into the water, they would lift up their sword in the air with their right hand, and they would be immersed in the water, but yet their arm with their sword remained unbaptized. And they did that. They agreed to that. This is oftentimes what it looks like for those of us who sometimes act foolish and say, God, I'll give you some of me, but not everything. God, I'll give you this area, I'll give you that thing, I'll give you this you know, compartment in my life, but God, I'm not giving you, I'm not surrendering to you all of me. I'm not gonna do it. You ever been to a sporting event where they go, come on, the, you know, they make an announcement, they said, today's game is sold out. Today's game is sold out. Every, you know, every ticket was sold, you know, and they, they do that as sort of a way to get, you know, fans excited about, you know, the team, and, and they do this, you know, and they say, this is the consecutive game in a row that the, that, the, that the stadium was sold out. But if you're sitting in the stadium and you look around, you know what you'll notice? A lot of empty seats. And I don't know about you, but I think to myself, is it really? sold out is it really 
Is it really sold out? Because I'm looking around and I see a lot of empty spots that isn't occupied. And I'm wondering, I'm wondering for you, listen, listen, I'm not calling you foolish, but this is observations for, for all of us. That I'm wondering if there's some areas in our life and we can say, we can make an announcement, I'm sold out, I'm sold out for Jesus, I'm sold out for Jesus, but yet there's these few little areas that we haven't fully surrendered. And ultimately what we're saying to God is simply this, you're not the king, I'm the king. You're not in charge, I'm in charge. Fools like Herod, he wanted to be king. And he didn't want anybody else to sit on his throne. And it didn't matter who they were. His wife, his sons, a high priest. You know, he was such an insane person. You know what he did? He had prestigious citizens in Jerusalem arrested and imprisoned in the, in the last days of his life and, and gave an order. He said, he said, this is what I want you to do. When I die, he says, I want you to execute all of those prestigious citizens of Jerusalem on the moment I die. And the reason why he wanted that to happen was because he said, because I want there to be mourning in this city when I die. That's the kind of person. He was a fool. And he was a fool because he wanted to be king. It, the story goes on and says this. It says, gathering together all the chief priests and the scribes of the people. So now Herod's going, all right, I, I, need, to, I need to find out more information about this. Let me figure out where the, what's happening, what's going on, why are these people, these people from the east coming and saying that there's been born the king of the Jews. And so he gathers all the people that should know. They should know. They should have all the information. So he gathers the chief priests. Chief priests were different types of positions held, spiritual positions held. They were known as, and you maybe are familiar with this and you know, through the Gospels, but they were known as the Sadducees, the Sadducees. And then he, so he gathers all the Sadducees together and the scribes of the people. Now, who were the scribes? The scribes are maybe a more recognizable name or term was these were the Pharisees. The Pharisees. So he gathers the Sadducees, which, which Jesus would constantly, you know, be, you know, at, at, at war with. The Pharisees, who Jesus would constantly be in debate with. So he grabs these people, Sadducees and Pharisees, and he inquires of them where the Messiah was to be born. So he's like, hey, th there's the Messiah. So he had some inkling that there was a, there was a Christ, there was going to be a Savior, there was going to be one that was going to come, and he was going to be the ruler of, of God's people. And here's what, look what it says, verse 5. And they said to him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for this is what has been written by the prophet. Now, who's that prophet? That prophet was Micah, in Micah chapter number 5. He says, by this prophet, so hundreds of years before Jesus was born, God revealed where Jesus, the Messiah, or the Christ, would be born. And he says, it, he's going to be born in a town, in a city, a little small town called Bethlehem. 
just five miles, listen, listen, just five miles from where they are, Jerusalem, five miles away, and the priests, the, the priests and the, and the, you know, the, the, the chief priests and the, and the scribes, they say he's meant to be born there, just five miles away. And you know what, look what it says in verse 6. And you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, and by no means least among the leaders. So he's still quoting Micah. For out of you shall come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, listen, I just want you to know that there is going to be a Messiah born. And according to Micah, he's going to be born in Bethlehem. And you know what they did? They completely ignored the king. And you know what fools do? Fools completely ignore the king. These guys, they dedicated their life, these Sadducees and these Pharisees, to understanding the ways of God. They knew, and there was some 300 prophecies of what they would look for and what they would show, you know, see from the Messiah. They had all of, these, all of this information, and you know what they did? They stayed in Jerusalem. No one went to see Jesus born in Bethlehem. At least that's what our nativity show us. But this is exactly what happens to all of us. We like to nitpick or cherry pick what we like to, you know, to listen to when it comes to instructions from the word of God. And we, when we see something that we don't agree with, when we see something that we don't like, we choose to ignore it. And here's what Jesus says about that. He says, just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. He says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. And then he says this, these things I have spoken to you, these things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. This is what Jesus is telling us. He's saying, listen, don't fools ignore the king. Fools ignore the king. Don't ignore the commandments of God. That's what fools do. He's saying, listen, I've got joy for you. I've got tremendous joy for you. Don't ignore what I'm asking you to do. Don't ignore what I'm commanding you to do in, in your life. Don't ignore that. And these guys, the Sadducees and the Pharisees, man, they had all the information. They heard all of the scriptures, but they didn't apply it at all. Listen, don't be what James warns us to be. He says, listen, don't just be a hearer of God's word. Be a doer. Be a doer of it. Don't just be people that just show up, you know, around this time of year and go, you know what, I'm just, you know, I'm going to hear a message and I'm, you know, this is, I'm good with God, you know. Like, listen, fools ignore the king. And the fools say, listen, God, I know what you want me to do. I know what you have for me, but I'm going to do my own thing. And I'm going to ignore the commandments that you have for me. My wife and I 
have these um, hallways that need some touch-up painting. And um, it's been probably, I don't know, maybe a year now. I don't know. It could be longer. Um, that these areas in our house that need to be touched up with, with some paint. And so probably back in August, maybe September, if I'm being generous with myself, um, I went to Home Depot and I got the paint that we needed to paint our hallways. Our hallways still need to be painted. But I have the paint. I have the brushes. I have everything that I need to make the proper changes except for actually applying the paint. Are you with me? Can anybody relate to that? Come on, we're so good. We're like, I got it. It's all ready. Here it is. It's all set. But unless you apply it, it doesn't work. It doesn't matter. Listen, we have all the instructions that we need. Listen, listen, listen. We have all the instructions that we need to find the fullness of joy in our life. Who wouldn't want that kind of change? Who wouldn't want that in our life to say, God, listen, you have everything that I need for the fullness of joy. And Jesus would say, here's how you find the fullness of joy. You find it by abiding with me. You find it by keeping, doing my commandments. And we're so good at the prep work. We're so good at preparing what we need, but we're missing that next step of actually applying it. The Sadducees, the Pharisees, they had all of the information. They were just five little miles away from seeing the thing that they've been expecting. Is this insane or what? from seeing the one that they've been expecting. And they just said, well, he's supposed to be born in Bethlehem. And Herod's going, well, there's these guys that came from the east that say they saw his star. And they say he's going to be the king of the Jews. He's going to be ruler and he's going to shepherd his people. And all these guys do is go, yeah, he's supposed to be there. But they stay right where they're at. Fools ignore the king. It goes on and says this. Then Herod secretly called the Magi and determined, so he's asking now for a second meeting. Herod is asking for a second meeting. Secretly called the Magi and determined from the exact time the star appeared. So he's wanting to know the timeline of, of all this, when they saw this star, when it was revealed to them, all of these things. It says this in verse 8, and he sent them to Bethlehem and said, so he's sending them. He's like, this is what they said, the Sadducees and the Pharisees, this is what they said. If, if he's here, he's, he's going to be in Bethlehem. So they sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. And when you have found him, 
report to me so that I too may come and worship him. Now, knowing what we know about Herod the king, or what he wanted to be called was Herod the Great, do you think that he actually wanted to go and worship him? No. What a fake. What a fake. What a, what, what, he's, what, he's just trying to pretend. He's trying to pretend that he's, you know, a godly man. He's trying to pretend that he's hyper-spiritual. Yeah, you, you, you guys go and let me know when you find him. And when you find him, I will come and I will bow my knees and I will worship him too. You know what fools think? Fools think they, they can fool the king. Fools think that they can fool the king. I got news for all of us. You ain't fooling the king. You know who you can fool? You can fool me. You can fool me. And I don't know why you waste your energy trying to fool me. Like, I'm an ordinary, run-of-the-mill dude that is, for some reason or another, has been called by God to proclaim his truth and his word to people, and I'm blown away every time that I get an opportunity to share truth of God's word. But the reality is this, I am nobody. So you trying to pull one on me or trying to get me to believe that you're hyper-spiritual, I don't care. You're, you're not fooling him. You're not fooling him. I'm like a walking guilt trip. It's so annoying. Like, I, I, I was just having a conversation with Kathy about it, my neighbor, yesterday. She's like, she's like, I had some friends over, and I was telling them how I, you know, go to Market Street Church, and they're like, you know, they're like he, the pastor lives across the street, and they were saying to her, are you kidding? You you go to the church that you live across the street from the pastor, aren't you worried about what he's going to think? Even my other neighbor, Carol, I was over at her house the other day, and, and, she, and she's like, she's, she had a package because, you know, she's like, man, she's like on guard at our neighborhood. Like, she wants to make sure that there's no, you know, pirate porch pirates or whatever you call them are going to steal our packages. And so she's on it. And I dare any porch pirate to come on our porch and steal because she's an archery expert, And she's got her bow and arrows ready to go, don't you, Carol? For any porch pirate that's going to come, she will bullseye anybody, you know, if they step on our porch, if she doesn't recognize them. So she'll come over and, and, you know, and take some of our packages. So I was over there getting the package, and she's like, come on inside, honey. And then she goes, oh, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Pastor, pastor. I go, Carol. I'd rather you call me honey than Pastor. Stop it. I mean, come on. You, my neighbors, are, I got a few neighbors here. You guys, I mean, I'm like, so I, we're like embarrassed sometimes. Like we're outside, you know, I'm playing one-on-one -on -one against my son, Nathan, and we're just trash-talking each other, and then we get competitive, and then we're throwing balls at each other, you know, and I'm like, I don't care. I'm a normal guy. 
who likes to beat up my son in basketball outside on the court. I still get excited about it. You can't guard me. 41 years old, he can't guard me with. I, yeah. I, the, the tragedy is, is that we put on this front, this facade. And we're never meant to do that. The church is meant to be people that are open and honest. And you know what? I come as you are, right? Isn't that what we say? Come as you are. Wherever you're at. You, you can fool me. You can like, I, I, this is one more story. So our, our van, I got to go quick. Our van broke down on the, on the, uh, somewhere on Southfield Freeway about a year or so ago. And the tow truck came, picked us up, and I rode home. Um, my wife had her parents with us, and so they took them home. And, and I rode home with the tow truck driver. And, you know, he, he's just, I mean, I don't even know how to, he's just cussing up a storm. Like, it's just every other word is a cuss word, you know. And it's just how he talked. I'm not judging. It's just how, how he was talking. And then he says, well, you know what I do. He says, what do you do? I go, I'm a lawyer. No. I always make up occupations if I just feel like it. No, I said, I, you know, um, I work at a church, you know, like, I was like really trying to downplay it, you know. He's like, well, what do you do at the church? I'm like, ah, I'm the, I'm the pastor. And immediately, immediately he goes, I am so sorry for my mouth. I, oh my gosh. I'm like, I'm not here to judge you. God is, but I'm not here. No, I didn't say that. You can fool me, whatever. And I want you to be godly. I want you to be holy. I want you to be sanctified. I want you to be more like Jesus. And I want you to, I want, you to want that for me. But when we put on a facade and thinking that we're fooling everybody around here, we're not fooling the king of kings. We're not fooling him. And so the story goes, and after hearing the king, the magi, the wise men, they went their way. They're like, I'm not going down the fool route. You with me? I'm not going to go down the fool route. I'm not going to go the way where I want to be king of my life. I'm not, I'm not going to go that way. I'm not going that route. I'm not going the route where I'm just going to ignore the commandments of God. I'm not going to go that way. I'm not going to go that route. And, that, and we have to make that decision for ourselves. I'm not going to go down the route that I can fool all of my Christian friends, but I forget that I can't fool God. I'm not going to go that way. I'm not going to go that route. And so hearing the king, they went their way. The wise way. And it says, it says that they went their way, and the star, which they had seen in the east, went on before them until it came and stood over the place where the child was. And just to say, look, I don't know what the star was. You know, some have, you know, different, you know, points of view on it. Some say that it was Jupiter. 
you know, the king of stars. Some say that it was, you know, a conjunction of Jupiter and Saturn coming together. Others say that, and this is maybe where I fall, that others say it was just the light from the glory of God that shone all around them. Remember we looked at the light from the glory of God that shone all around them. And that Jesus is described as the bright and morning star. Jesus is described as, as, as one who, in heaven, there, there will be no light because Jesus will be the light that shines as bright as the sun. Which, by the way, our sun is a run-of-the-mill, ordinary star out of billions of stars in the galaxy. And Jesus will shine that Bright. So I think that that star, whatever it was, was the glory of Jesus, the glory of God, and the glory of God went on before them. But here's the practical thing of this. The practical thing of this is he's the star and you're not. He's the starring role in the movie. He's the starring role in, on the team. He's the star. You're just a supporting role in that. And so they decided to make him the star. And they went on, it went on before them, and it stood over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, Look at this. So many superbolies here. They rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. That's for all people, by the way. They rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. He's, there he is. We found him. He's there. He's the answer. He's the hope. He's our king, and we're here to worship him. They rejoiced exceedingly with great joy because that's what's found when you seek him. You're going to find exceedingly great joy. And when you abide in him, that joy, will be full. Will your circumstances change? Probably not. Maybe not. Will your situations work themselves out? Maybe, but maybe not. But it, despite all of the messiness, despite all of the uncertainties, you still have an exceedingly great joy. Because your joy isn't found in your circumstances. Your joy isn't found in what God is or isn't doing for you. That your joy is found in what God is doing or has done around you. And we have perverted this. That we think that we can only find exceedingly with great joy when God does something for us. Instead of recognize that when God is doing something 
around us. And they show up. And they see the star. And they're rejoicing. Because that's what's found in him. And after coming into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother. And they fell to the ground. And they worshipped him. What an appropriate response. When you seek and you find the king of kings. And it says, then opening up their treasures, they presented to him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And you know that. And the gold represents your king. And the frankincense was an incense that represents your God, your deity. And the myrrh was an oil that was used in preparing bodies for burial, which represented his humanity, which represented the fact that he was going to take on the sins of all the world so that you can be set free from your sin. So you can have what it, know what it means to have eternal life. That you can be born again and you can be made new. And when wise seek Jesus as the one in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Wise seek Jesus as the one who, he has all of the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. These guys were wise men but Jesus had has more wisdom. He has treasures of wisdom and knowledge from you, for you. Paul said it that way in Colossians 3, 2, 3. He says, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. It's found in him. It's found in him. Why surrender all to Jesus as the source of exceedingly great joy? Why say, I'm surrendering it all to you, Jesus, I'm giving you it all. I'm not going to hold up my hand out of the water with my sword up saying, God, you can have every other part of me, but you can't have this. No, 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 no. Why say I'm surrendering it all to him? And when I surrender it all to him, that's when you're going to find great joy. Why see Jesus as the light of the world and worthy to worship? That's the way that wise see him. That in our darkness and in our uncertainty, Jesus stepped into this world. And he, in the darkness, became our light. He became our light. So in our darkness and in our uncertainty and in our grief and in our despair and in our worries and in our agonies that he said, listen, in the darknesses of your life, in the messiness of your life, he says, listen, I just want to come and I want to be the light of the world for you. And just as God said, shined light into darkness, just as God shined light into darkness, he has shined in our hearts 
to give the light and the knowledge and the glory of God in the face of his son, Jesus Christ. And you need to know, we all need to know, that in the messiness, he is your guiding light. That in your worry, he is your light. And in your concern, he is your light. He is Emmanuel. He is with you. He's with you at the hospital. He's with you as you're working through the finances. He's with you in the, in the brokenness of your relationships. He's with you, with you through it all. He is our light to the world. And because of that, he is worthy of our worship. He is worthy of our praise. He is worthy to, to surrender all to him. John says it this way. He says that in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Who's he? Jesus. And all things came into being through him. All things came into being through him. And apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. And in him was life. And the life was the light of men. In him was life, and the life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness. The light shines in the messiness. The light shines in the despair. The light shines in the hurt. The light shines in the grief. The light shines in the loss. The light shines in the anxiety. And that darkness did not comprehend it. That darkness, in other words, will never, ever overpower it. So this Christmas season, maybe it's Christmassy for you, and I'm so happy it is. But maybe it's Christmassy. And I just want you to know that the light of the world came. He came. And he's king. And he's God Almighty who put on flesh and blood so that he can be the worthy lamb that would be sacrificed for your sins and mine. But death couldn't hold him. The grave couldn't hold him. He conquered the grave. He rose from the dead. He is the resurrection and the life. So whatever is dead or dying or dormant in your life, he has the ability and the power to raise it up again. He's the light of the world. I'm going to invite you to stand if you can.
and to represent that he has shined in our hearts, that he is the light of all mankind. As we represent in the darkness, that we shine bright. We shine bright. Father, you um, so loved the world. You gave your one and only son to come and shine your light bright in the darkness, in the messiness, in the uncertainty, in the times where there was people like Caesar Augustus and Herod the Great who are revered and feared and known amongst the world. But now, they're just footnotes in the grand story of your redeeming grace. God, we thank you. And we recognize him as the king, as God, came in flesh. We thank you for that love that you sent down. Help us to shine our lights to a world that needs to find just as those wise men did an exceedingly great joy joy that is full when we abide in you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have a Merry Christmas.